thank you, Father, that you are our source and our sustainer. Thank you, God, that you are the God who sees us and who keeps us burning. God, you are the one who saw us here on earth and knew that we were in need of you. So we thank you, Lord God, Father, that even no matter what we go through, Jesus, you are the reason our fire is burning, God. You are the one who sustains us. You are the one who knows us. You are the one who sees us, and you know exactly what we need. And so we thank you, God, for you are the God of all the gods, and you are the God of heaven and on earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us stay standing for the reading of today's word. Today we're reading from Genesis 32, from verse 22 to 32. And it reads, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. We may be seated. Amen. Good morning, Flood Church. Good morning. Welcome once again to today's 11 a.m. gathering. Um, my name is Chico, and I am privileged to share today's word with you. I am also a part of the oversight team here at Flood Church as well, and I would love to welcome you to today's um, word. If you're joining us online, I would also love to welcome you and acknowledge your presence in God's house as well this morning. So what I'm preaching on today is who are the desperate looking for? And when I got this and when I got the title, I started thinking of a desperate situation. And I've had quite a few of those, but I think one that I would like to highlight is when I was 15. When I was 15, um, I was desperate for something and I found it at a youth camp, and that is where I got saved. I think at that point, my mother was also desperate to have me be a good child, and I wasn't. I drove my mom up the wall, and in her desperation, she sent me to a four-day youth camp. And so, and so <clears throat> when I got to that camp, it was really interesting because I saw other people attending the camp, and they had something that I knew I wanted and needed and was looking for. Now, the funny thing about being desperate is that sometimes you don't know what you're looking for until you see it. 
until you see it in someone else or until you see someone else having it. And that's when it clicks to say, that's the thing I've been looking for. And for me, it was simply Jesus in these other kids. They seem to be so free. They seemed to have something that I didn't have. They seemed to have an identity that I couldn't touch and that I couldn't shift and that peer pressure couldn't shift. And I think that is very interesting. I think during the four days of this camp, not that I think, but now that I know, the thing that made these children very different is that they believed in Jesus Christ, is that they believed in a God who saw them and who loved them and was the God of heaven and of earth, is that they believed that God loved them so much that even before they knew God, God knew them, that they believed that what God said about them was true and what everybody else said was a lie. And I think it almost made them seem bulletproof. They had something that I knew I wanted in my teenage years, but I didn't know where or how to get it. So I got that at youth camp, and that's where I got saved, and that's where I met Jesus. So I think sometimes the desperate don't know what they're looking for until they see it. And if you ask my mother today, she will be very glad to tell you that I'm a very different child that I am a gracious child, that I am a forgiving child, that I am a patient child, um, even with her, and that I am still her child, but I'm very different, and on a very different path, and on a very different route than what I was. So for everyone who's a parent, there is hope out there for your kids. And so this led me, I guess, on this tangent of thinking about identity. Like, how does a person change their identity? And so in this scripture, we see that Jacob has his identity changed. But I did some research, and a person can change their identity here on earth. And the way they can is called identity erasing. That's what the process is. But in order to do this, you need to do three things. So the first thing is that you need to change your name. The second thing is that you need to move far away from everything you know and the people who know you. And the third thing is that you need to take up a different profession. Um, so Jacob did all of these things, but there is a catch. When you do those three things, you've actually changed your identity, but you haven't erased your identity. And those are two different things. So the only person who can actually help you erase your identity is the government. And so what the government does is it gives you permission to erase your identity and then it seals the government records of who you used to be, and they can't be opened again. But the reason they do that, and the only time they can give you that, is if your situation is deemed as desperate, like you need to get away, like someone is trying to kill you and you need to go into hiding, like it needs to be a desperate situation. And it's funny that I'm speaking about people who are desperate today, because desperation is defined as having a great need for something or someone. And usually, in the above example, it is a need for safety or salvation. And so Jacob in this text was desperate for three things. He was desperate for forgiveness. He was desperate for a home and a community. And he was desperate for a new identity. And Jacob had done the identity erasing. He had moved away. He had started a new profession and he had embraced a new culture and even married there. And for those of you who might not be familiar with the story of Jacob, Jacob's name means the usurper. And so Jacob had actually connived with his mother to steal his brother's blessing. 
And his brother was so mad and wanted to kill him, so Jacob had to run away. And when Jacob ran away, he went and stayed with the relative, and he saw Rachel there, and he saw Leah, and he fell in love with Rachel and wanted to marry her. And so he went into an agreement to work for seven years, and then he ended up getting Leah instead of Rachel, had to work another seven years. And so it is while Jacob has gone and has changed his identity and is doing a completely different thing, um, that's when God speaks to him and tells him to go back home. And that's where his blessing lies. And so who is Jacob going back to? Jacob is going back to face Esau. Jacob is going back to the place where he betrayed his own brother and stole his brother's blessing. Jacob is going back to the place where his own brother wants to kill him and probably his home and his community think that he is a bad person. That's where Jacob is going back to. And it's very interesting because um, in the scripture, when you read from the very top, Esau hears that Jacob is coming back. And so Esau goes to meet his brother. And Jacob begins to send his men with presents. He says, you take 200 goats with you. And when you meet him, tell him your servant Jacob is coming behind you, behind us. Your um, servant Jacob is coming behind you. Your servant Jacob is coming behind you. And again and again. And I think this was being done by Jacob because he was desperate for forgiveness. He was desperate that his brother's heart may be softened. He was desperate that he may butter his brother up a little bit so that he has an easier reception. And so he continues to send presents with his men. And when we start reading this scripture at the very top, he is actually being stripped of everything he has. He has to um, separate from his wives. He has to separate from his children. He has to separate from his servants. And I think that desperation will always bring us to a point of stripping and that sometimes this is God's doing. I don't think Jacob fully understood in this text what was happening, but he was literally offloading everything that he, has carry, he had carried of his past identity. And he was sending it, he was sending it, he was sending it to appease Esau. But what happened was that he was left all alone. The scripture says, and then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. I sat on this scripture a while and which is why when we were reading it, I repeated it again. And then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him. I always say that we can make as many decisions as we want. We can say whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. But there is a man that we wrestle with. And that man... That man only shows up in the five minutes before we go to bed. That's the man we wrestle with when we're alone. That's the man who really validates if what we did was right, if it was holy, if it was righteous, if it was just. That's the man we wrestle with. That's the man who speaks to us about who we're supposed to be and how we're well aware of what it is we're supposed to do and still choose not to do it. It's that man that we wrestle with when we are alone. And I think Jacob in this, in this text specifically wrestled with the man and wrestled with God and he fought till daybreak and refused to let the man go until he was blessed. And this caught me because why is Jacob asking for another blessing when he already stole one blessing? Why is it that Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me? Why is the blessing so important? And why does it matter? 
I think that Jacob was in need of a God who was able to give him the blessing. He needed the God behind the blessing. It's funny that he did not feel blessed until this man blessed him. And this man gave him a new name. And this is important because only the government can do that. And Jacob was in need of more than just a blessing. He was in need of the God behind the blessing. He was in need of the one who rules the government of heaven and earth. He was in need of the God who was able to turn Esau's heart. He was in need of the God who was able to convince his old community that he was a new man. He was in need of that God. And I think that we are desperate for many things. We think that we are desperate for a job when we are actually, in fact, seeking God who is our provider. We think that we are desperate for a relationship when I think we are actually looking for the community and communion of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can think that we are desperate for riches and possessions when what we're actually looking for is the contentment that Jesus Christ can give us. We can be desperate in many forms and in many ways. But what we need isn't the thing we think we need. I think the thing we need is Jesus. And I think that only Jesus can validate our desperation and give us a new identity. And so when Jacob left this place, he left with a limp for life. He left with evidence that he had met with God and had prevailed. Peniel, the place of meeting with a God of new identities and actually being spared. Jacob left this place and moved different. Um, if you think about the fight that Jacob was in during this time, after the fight, Jacob would have left with the limp that was with him for the rest of his life. And this limp would almost look as if Jacob was born with one leg that was short. So he would have a bit of a lopsided gait. Uh, gait. But he left this because he left with this limp because he had fought with man and fought with God and he had prevailed. That's what Israel means, that he had overcome, that he had been in a battle with humans and had been in a battle with God and had overcome and the limp was evidence of that. And I think that a lot of the times we walk and yes, we do walk and we have a limp, but we have to ask ourselves if we're walking with the limp of God or if we're walking with the limp of the world. If you saw somebody moving the way that you move, with the gait that you have, with the limp that you have, would you want to follow the faith that they say they follow? And that's the question I want to ask today. I, last week I was in Germany, and I had a very interesting experience because I met a young lady, and I told her, oh, I want to go to church. And she laughed and she's like, you go to church? I said, yes. And she said, church is such an archaic institution, like governments and politics. And I said, okay. And she said, yeah. And it was really interesting that religion and politics are paired together as things that are no longer relevant. And so I was curious and I asked her, I said, so what is the modern movement? And she said, well, the things that matter now and the movements that are there are the green movement, the one for saving the earth, and the LGBTQ plus movement. And those are the things that are relevant now. And I thought if only you knew 
If only you knew, the Bible records that Jesus and God himself is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That his word is alive and breathing and it's able to change us. That he is the God who sees us, the God who was there for us and saved us, the God who is here in this moment, the God who is in us, the God who works through us. That Jesus is current and more current than we think or we know, that he is always actively walking with us and he is working through us. The thought that Jesus, living, breathing, the God that brought you into this room this morning and the faith that you have in him, that he is an archaic institution, is almost crazy. And I understand that people can look at it as an institution, but I think where it changes is when we meet Jesus for ourselves. So what are the desperate looking for? The desperate are looking for Jesus. And everybody wants to have a place of homecoming, a place where their identity is, a place where there is a community, a place where there is acceptance. And I think that's why there's so many institutions and organizations. But I also think that for us, it's really about finding Jesus for ourselves. It is about meeting Jesus by and for ourselves. I could tell you all about the Bible until I'm blue in the face. I could tell you that when you read it, it reads you back. I could tell you that when you know about God and his statutes, he will convict you. I could tell you about his rules and what you can and can't do. I could tell you about the miracles he can work. But until you experience it alone, by yourself, until you wrestle with the God that you know and are trying to discover, it means nothing. Jesus can be found by the desperate when they seek him alone, when they wrestle and tarry with him and his word and prayer and worship, when they meet him in the place of Peniel, where they say, I have tarried with men and now I'm tarrying with God and I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you rename me. I won't let you go until you give me a new identity. So Jacob walked away with the limp. And I'm simply here to ask that you, in your desperation, have met with Jesus. What does your limp look like? Is your limp reflective of the God that you believe in and that you profess? I think the desperate are in need of God, and we are the desperate, and we find him by pursuing Jesus for and by ourselves after our encounter alone. I could say many things, but I think I would like us to reflect on that today, that we are the desperate and that the desperate are seeking for Jesus, that the desperate need to know Jesus and that we are the desperate, that we need to pursue Jesus and that we need to be willing to fight with Jesus and to fight with men to come out with a new identity with Jesus. I would like us to stand up and I would like us to pray at this point. There is something in the Christian faith known as recommitment. And I love it because recommitment is 
based off of the principle that you found something that was good that you knew. And that when you encountered it, you did not move in the way as if you encountered the thing that you found. And I think what that means for us today is that we have encountered Jesus, but maybe our limp or our gait is not reflective of the Jesus that we have encountered. And so there's going to be prayer counselors standing at the front of the church. And I'm going to encourage you as we pray that you can recommit yourself to the walk of Jesus, that you have done battle and you have done battle enough with man and with God, but that in this time and in this place, you are able to meet with God and he is able to give you a new identity and that you can leave from one of the prayer counselors and that you can leave different, that you can walk and you can move different, that you can pray and you can read the word different, that you can worship different, that you can go out there and evangelize different, that you can speak about the God that you know different. And so we're going to pray. And if you are convicted and if your heart is open, and if you would like to recommit to the walk of Jesus, I'm going to ask that you walk in your desperation to one of the prayer counselors and that they pray with you and that they lend you a bit of their strength and a little bit of their anointing and they give you strength for you to begin walking with Jesus again or to continue walking your walk with Jesus. And if you don't know this Jesus that I speak of, and this is maybe the first or the tenth time you've heard of him, but maybe you've never tried him by yourself, alone, tarrying with him. I ask that if you are convicted that you come to their prayer counselors as well. And that maybe they may pray with you and lend you strength and that you may find salvation here. So let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we are like Jacob, our father wrestling with man and wrestling with the knowledge of you, God, and wanting to leave, Father, with a limp that is not reflective of you. And so, God, we come before you this morning and we surrender ourselves. We surrender ourselves to the knowledge of who you are. We surrender ourselves to the admission that we are desperate and we are looking for a place of belonging. We surrender ourselves, God, to you because you are the one who knew us even before you knit us in our mother's womb. And God, because we are desperate, we are desperate that we will not leave this earth until we look like exactly what you saw before you knit us in our mother's womb. We are desperate for the identity that you gave us at that time. We are desperate for the identity, Lord God, Father, that you spoke over us and that you saw at that time. And so we come before you and we ask that you alone may take over. We pray, Father, that as we recommit to you or as we give ourselves away to you, God, that you may lead us into places of stripping, that you may lead us, Lord God, Father, into places where we tarry with you and we tarry with man and we find you in the end in Jesus name. Lord we pray that you may give us a new identity. Our Father we pray in our desperation that you may give us a new anointing. We pray Father in our desperation that you may give us a new prayer life a new word life a new worship life God and that when we are done from that place that you may give us the boldness and the courage to tell other people about the gift of freedom that we hold and we leave all of this in your hands God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.